Well, for the last few years, I've had young kids playing sports, and I've seen something so disturbing, and you've seen it too. The characters might have different names. The location may be different, but the story happens this way. I, I showed up to coach a game, and I was early for my game. Another game was closing up, and it was peewee football, and there were two male human beings that were about to get into a physical altercation. And they were being held back physically, about to go after it, about to attack one another. And no, it was not the six-year-old. It was not the seven-year-old. It was 30-something-year-old men who were about to go to blows over Little League football. Now, this is a true story. This happened down the street at Drake's Creek Park, but you've seen it happen somewhere too. Now, here's the irony of it. These guys had lost their temper because of a ref's call or because they ran up the score or because of something, uh, something trivial like that. And they, their blood pressure was up. They're ready to throw down. They're ready to fight. And simultaneously, the six and seven-year-old kids, you know what they're doing? They're looking for the fruit snacks and Capri Suns. They don't care about the score. They don't care about the game. They want the snack time. And here it is that these well-meaning men forgot the purpose, forgot the reason for the game. And the reason for the competition, the game is for the kids, for the kids to have fun. But us men, sometimes we forget the purpose our kids are wanting to have a good time. And when we lose sight of the original purpose, then the event becomes something it should not have been. That's the reason why today I want to have a conversation with you about our vision, which is really God's vision for the church. For the next few weeks, we're going to have some conversations, which with me having a microphone and you sitting in a chair, it's not really a true conversation. But I hope it facilitates conversation within our 242 groups, within our CIL forward classes, through conversations we have. And any of you, I'd love to schedule an appointment with you or hang out with you if we're able to do that and have conversations to become better people. And a great place to start is with our vision, our God's vision. Why are we here? Why do we meet on Sunday mornings? Why did you come to church today? Well, there, there's some misconceptions about the church that I want us to address today. Now, the most popular book, the, the best-selling book of all time beside the Bible is, is a book that was written just within the last 15 years, a book called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. It's a good book, and I recommend that book. But if you don't feel like reading, I want to give you a little hint. You can read the first sentence of the purpose-driven life and get the gist of the book. Here's what the first sentence says. It's not about me. If you want a purpose-driven life and you want your life to have purpose, it's not about me. It's not about my needs. It's about serving. It's about giving. Here's the first misconception that the church deals with today. This is in you version, it's on your notes. That the church primarily exists for my needs. Now it's true that you do have needs and I don't wanna be dismissive of them. We certainly as leaders here at our church, we evaluate your needs. We want your needs to be met. And so 
it would be disingenuine for me to say, well, your needs don't matter. I'd be lying to you if I, if I said that Beth and I, we don't make decisions for our family and their needs and we want their spiritual needs met and their social needs met. So, so that is a factor. That is a factor. Your needs do matter. God cares about your needs. But when it's the only factor and it's the most important factor and it's the overriding factor and it's the only thing you consider with your church participation, I would suggest that you are losing sight of an equally important and maybe even a more spiritual factor. And that's this, others. The idea of this is that God has created you and I to be in community together. And church participation, church attendance is not just about me having my needs met. It's about my contribution to everyone God's called me to worship with. That's why the very important scripture you're going to see here is Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 4, it says this. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts don't have the same function, in the same way, look at this phrase, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now, we as pastors and as spiritual leaders, we kind of trained congregation members incorrectly. Over the last 20 to 30 years, we've created, you've probably heard this term, what's now being called consumer Christians. Christians who shop churches around, Christians who become very dissatisfied, Christians who only consider their needs not that it's wrong to consider that, but only consider their needs and don't think about the possible way they can contribute to others. And God's calling us and he's calling you to push back against that individualistic thought process. You know, we've been trained to think as individuals, but in the body, he doesn't want you to think just as an individual. In the church, he doesn't want you to think just as an individual. He wants you to realize that your participation your attendance, your contribution, your enthusiasm, your attitude affects every person God's called you to worship with. We are divinely connected. God designed it that way, that the choices I make and the choices you make don't just affect you. It affects everyone around you. The misconception is that church primarily exists for me. No way, there's something greater, there's something bigger. Here's another misconception. Our services, meaning our Sunday morning services, our Wednesday night services, are more important than our service. That's a misconception. Our services are more important than our service. Now, I will make this disclaimer. Sunday morning service is important. We work pretty hard around here to touch the, the lives of people who come, to glorify Jesus. We wanna show excellence. We wanna do our best. And it takes a lot to put on services here, but to God's glory, Beth and her leadership with the music and the other worship leaders who team up with her and the great music you heard today and this, the sound, the lights, the computer presentation, the, the building, getting it clean, all of that, we do it to the glory of God. Child check-in, 
professional nursery, children's ministry. Believe it or not, I put a thought or two into the messages that I give and try to be prepared and try to think through this stuff ahead of time. It's important. It's our biggest gathering. It's a place where we gather. It's a place where most of us come at one time. But if it just stops here, if we're only about what happens on Sunday morning, we've missed who God's called us to be. That's why, as Wade told you earlier and reminded you, and you'll see it in our logo, you'll see it on that window above the entryway, you'll see it in a lot of our publications. Our church, we exist to know his love and to share his love. One without the other is incomplete. You can't share something you don't know. But if you know something and you're not willing to share, then that's just selfish and that's not what God wants you to do. So we exist to know his love and to share his love. And this is one of the things Jesus has called us to do. And later on today, I want you to read Luke chapter 10. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Some of you are familiar with that, but there's part of the story that really gripped me in preparing for this message. The Good Samaritan is kind of like this legendary character Jesus talked about. Sometimes we think the Good Samaritan is this idealistic person who selflessly helped a man who was robbed. But Jesus said something at the end of telling the story that you'll see on the screen. Jesus said, go and do the same. The Good Samaritan is not some idealistic person that we're supposed to deify or we're supposed to look at some prototype of, of, of uh, a type of Christian, a type of follower of Christ that we can't reach. No, instead, the Good Samaritan is an example. It should be typical. It should be what happens on a regular basis. Jesus said, go and do the same. Sacrifice. Change your schedule. Change your route. Give your resources. Give your talent to help someone else who's in trouble, even when they can't help you out. That's the kind of heart that God wants us to have. And so it is. We want a great Sunday morning service, and we'll keep working to get better and to be everything God wants us to be. But simultaneously, we want to go out into the community. We want to reach to people who may not come to this service. That's why this afternoon, Brenda Fuller and her team will go to the Sumner County Veterans Home as they do every fourth Sunday to feed men who have sacrificed for our country. That's why yesterday, Gayla Johnson, under her leadership, we had 250 backpacks ready to give out. We gave out the majority of those and the rest will be given out this week to other agencies here in this city. Backpacks full of school supplies that tell people we tangibly love you. We tangibly want to reach you. That's why Sid Shaw and Gina Shaw started Feed Sumner County. So once a month, we're going to support, we support the Sumner County Food Bank and we bring food items so we can let those families who just need an extra few days before their next paycheck know that we tangibly love you. Here's some food. Partnering with the agencies here. Because it doesn't stop at the benediction. Our work for the Lord starts at the benediction. The possibilities are limitless. Our teenagers just got back from Alabama and they did a mission trip there. They didn't do that for a one-week experience. They did that so they could model what they can do on a regular basis. That's why Pastor Matt has taken our teenagers down to the Nashville Rescue Mission already this year. 
Pastor Matt has taken our teenagers to the Hendersonville Samaritan Center for their bi-monthly food kitchen, and we've participated. We've cared about that. The possibilities are limitless. Pastor Deborah, she's dreaming about our 242 groups, wants to see more of our 242 groups engaged in service to the community, engaged in social service to the community because it's not enough just to know his love. We've got to share his love too. That's what God's called us. Our service is important. Our services are important, but our service is just as important. A few years ago, I heard about a a turkey company who sold frozen uh, frozen turkeys. I don't know if, which one it was, but it was one of the nationally known turkey companies. And they had a 1-800 number that someone could call. And in that number, they could find out information about their product. And someone called the number and said, I found a frozen turkey from your company in my deep freeze. And it's several years past the expiration date. And the question to this 1-800 number was, is a turkey still edible? So the people at the turkey company responded, well, technically it is still edible. You could thaw the turkey out, you could eat it, and you won't get sick and you won't die, but it probably won't taste very good. The texture is gonna be kind of rough. The taste isn't gonna be very, very delicious. Um, it doesn't really represent the product we want to give. That's why we put an expiration date. You're probably not going to have a good experience eating this turkey that is several years old. And the lady on the phone responded, well, I guess we can just give it to the church. Now, there is an attitude that can creep into our lives and be a wrong misconception. It's only the church. Give them the outdated turkey. Give them the stuff that's not good enough for our own table. Give them, give the church what we wouldn't serve at our own table. Maybe they can do something with it. That's an attitude that can creep into our hearts if we're not careful. But today I want to remind you what Jesus said about the church. And if you can look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Here's what Jesus said. He said, I will build my church. And the forces of Hades will not overpower it. Other, other translations said, say the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But Hades is the proper word that represents the seat of evil, the seat of darkness, the seat of wickedness, the place where there's no light. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on men and women like Peter, men and women who understand that I'm the Messiah. I'm going to build my church. What is a church? We, we could have 30 different definitions here. Actually, we probably have 200 different definitions here of what a church is. But the word church is the word ecclesia, which means the gathering. So Jesus said this, I'm going to build my gathering. Here's the deal. In Jesus, in his, in his omnipotent power, in his great wisdom, he decided this. I'm going to gather up people who believe in me. I'm going to gather them up, and those people are going to be my church. And darkness won't be able to stop those people. I'm going to gather up a group of people, my ecclesia, my church, and that which is evil, and that which is wicked, and that which is not of me and not of God, will not be able to defend, will not be able to resist the advancement of 
my church. We know it, guys. We know that we don't have it all together. The church makes mistakes. The church has flaws. The church has corrupt leaders. The church has friction. The church has arguments. Uh, Whenever you get people together, weird stuff happens and conflict happens. We don't have it all together as the church. We're his gathering and we're not perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect church. Every church is hypocritical. We don't want to be hypocritical, but as long as you have people, we're never going to be perfect. But Jesus said this, I'm going to keep building my church. I'm going to keep building my gathering. I'm going to keep building my people. They may not be perfect. They may make mistakes. They may not have it all together. But when they come together, Hades, hell itself, won't be able to resist the church. The attitude, the misconception says, that's only the church. It's no big deal. That attitude attitude is a misconception that will keep us from being everything God wants us to be. I personally believe one of the enemy's greatest strategies for your life is to get you to dismiss the church, to make you think the church isn't important. It's just me and God. It's just me and my relationship. Community's not important. The church isn't important. It's so easy to marginalize the church. It's so easy to criticize the church. It's so easy to point out the church's problems. That is an easy thing to do. We can all point out the church's problems, but God hasn't called you to point out the problems. God's called you to be the solution. God's called you to get to work. God's called you to bring a great attitude. God's called you to get in step with him. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, not destroy my church. Jesus said he's going to build his gathering. He's going to build his people. And when we have the misconception or the attitude, it's just a church, it's no big deal. When we do that, we lose part of God's plan for our life. We need you. Whatever church you attend, you may be visiting today from another church, whatever church God's called you to, that church needs you. Your talents, your abilities, your gifts, your perspective, your past, your future, all of it is part of God's plan. And he's using that to build his kingdom. And he is saying, this is my voice to the world. My church is my voice to the world. My church is is what I'm representing myself to the the world. It is not something to take lightly. It's not just the church. It's special. And guess what? You get to be a part of it. You're a part of the church if you know who Jesus Christ is. And God has called you to be part of a particular body of people. And I I hope you believe that in your heart. You never know how much you need community until you need community. So step into it. Rest into it. Let God show you everything He wants to show you about the church. Here's the truth. The truth about about God's plan. God is on a mission. This has been the story of God from Genesis to Revelation to today. God is on a mission. God is revealing himself to his people. God wants people to know him. God wants men and women to know who he is. He is on a mission. God is revealing himself And one of the greatest scriptures for this, you can find a scripture in every book of the Bible. You can probably say every chapter of the Bible about God's mission to reach people. But I love Acts 17 because Acts 17 is a place where Paul was speaking to a very religious people, the Athenians, the city of Athens. It still exists today in Greece. And they had worshiped all kinds of gods, all types of idols. They were a curious people, but they didn't know the real God. And this is what Paul said to them in in Acts chapter 17. He said, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth 
and does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. Now look at this scripture. From one man, being Adam, he has made every nationality or every people group to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. You need to see something right here. God has you alive in 2013, living in the United States of America, here in the North Nashville region. He has you alive for a reason. He's determined your appointed times. He has set the boundaries of where they should live. Why? Look at the next verse. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him though he is not far from each of us. Think about this. God has orchestrated the circumstances of your life, the location of your life, the times of your life, because he wants you to seek him. That's the mission of God. God wants people to seek him. God wants men and women to find him. God wants men and women to understand there's a true God. He has a distinct personality. He has a name that's been established. He has a character that's been established. He's revealed himself fully through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is one way. There is one God. There is one baptism. And the Lord wants to reveal that to men and women. I thank God he's revealed that to me. Listen, don't be confused. All roads don't lead to heaven. All other religions, all other idols have come and gone. They've risen and fallen. All other religions are not equal to the one true faith that we have through Jesus Christ, our Savior. He said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. God wants all men and women to know who he is. God wants all men and women to get on mission with him. Now, I know we're a little out of sequence, but we have to look what Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19. He said this, go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are, we are a church that goes. And so we go to the places I've already mentioned. We go to the places here in our community and we go to our workplace and we go to our neighborhoods and we go to our kids and we go to our teenagers and we go to their friends. But we also realize that there's something bigger. That's why we send a team to Costa Rica. And that's why we're already talking about going back to Costa Rica. That's why we're in discussions about going to Haiti once again next year. That's why we have a dream to go to the most difficult places in the Muslim world where people have not heard the name of Jesus. We have a dream to plant churches in in Western Europe where the light of, of, of Christ is becoming very, very dim. And there's such a low percentage of people attending churches. We have dreams for that because Jesus has called us to go. Jesus has called us to get on mission. God, God is on a mission. And here's a great thing is God has invited us to participate in his mission. Isn't that great? God is on a mission And he's chosen you and he's chosen me and he's chosen us. And he said, when you get in step with me and you get in step with my character and you get in step with my calling and you get in step with my heart, we will go together. Now, usually during this message, it becomes this really high pressure thing and you feel the burden, the burden of this call upon yourself as an individual. 
But I believe if we go back to the beginning and go back to the first scripture we read, that we realize that we guys, we're in this together. God's call to go is not something that just rests on you by yourself. It is us. We're called to go together. That's why we're the church. That's why we move forward together. That's why we take a step together. That's why one Sunday on August 18th is an important Sunday. Because on that particular Sunday, we're asking everyone, let's show up together. Let's come to church on the same Sunday. I mean, this place is going to be, both services are going to be more than packed. We're going to have to bring out more chairs. We're going to fill the house of God on August 18th. We can do that just with the people who call this their church. But we're not going to stop there. We're going to invite our friends. We're going to invite our neighbors. We're going to invite people who don't know him. And as you leave today, you have um, a bracelet you can take, an armband that says one Sunday, August 18th, 2013. And this is is a chance for you to pray. And this is a conversation piece for you to invite someone to one Sunday. As you leave today, make sure to grab one or more of those. And I'm telling you, this thing works. I'll tell you what happened to me just this morning. Uh, This morning, I had to go by Kroger, which I never do on a Sunday morning. uh, My my son here in the front row, row broke his arm yesterday, and he's doing great. But... Me and Beth, our schedule was all messed up. So I had to go by Kroger to get some stuff. And, and I'm there uh, getting, getting uh, my, at the cash register. Uh, a young lady was, was um, I'm trying not to say checking me out. The, the young lady was, <laughs> so I know she wasn't doing that. The young lady was making, <laughs> the young lady was making a financial transaction. And, and I bought this lettuce that, uh, that I was thinking about when it was going to expire, you know. And so I'm sitting there, and she just asked me, she said, what's August 18th? She had seen my bracelet. And I thought, this, I thought she said, what's August 18th? This was my chance. And this was my chance to respond. So I looked up at her, and I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was thinking about the lettuce, not one Sunday. She said, she said the, the bracelet on, your, on your, your bracelet. I've never seen that before. So I went ahead and told her. I said, yeah, my church, we're having, a, and I said a friend Sunday. That's the easiest way to say that. We're having a friend Sunday at my church, uh, church in late, next exit down. It was a conversation piece. So here's a conversation piece for you to take. And, and sometimes people will ask you what's going on. So we're going to do that together. I mean, because it's too much of a burden. It's too much of a burden by yourself. That's what's great about the church. We do it together. And together we make, we, we get on mission with God. Together we participate with God's mission. Together we do what God's called us to do. I want to ask Benton to join me up here. And I want to share this last scripture with you. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Now look at this. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. Jesus is sending us, guys. He's sending us to Hendersonville, to Gallatin, to Goodlettsville, to North Nashville, to all these rural communities that surround here. He's sending us to our nation, our nation who's turning against God. He's sending us to be an influence in our nation. He's sending us to this world. He is sending us. And I'm so glad we get to do it together. I'm so glad we're on mission together. But I want you to not minimize God's call on your life not minimize 
the community he's called you to, not minimize the church that you're part of, not minimize the opportunity you have. Maybe at this church, if you're here, God has put you on mission and he's given you a call. Can we pray about that together? Father, I thank you for stirring us with your vision today, stirring us with your vision today. I have a sense in my heart that some of you might be feeling in measure of regret. You're saying, if I could turn back the clock, if I could turn back time, if I could go back years, two to three years maybe, or maybe it's 20 years, whatever the timeline is for you, and you're having a moment of regret, the Lord wants you to know right now that he will quicken your steps. He will quicken your steps. Don't stay in regret. Let godly sorrow lead you to repentance. Take a step today. Get back in. Get back involved. Get back on mission. You say, how do you get on mission with God? It's really easy to get on mission with God. It's not complicated. You get on mission with God when you get with God. When you're in step with God, when you're walking in fellowship with God, God didn't ask you to figure out the details. God didn't ask you to figure out the future. He holds the future. God says he wants you to walk with him. He wants you to get in step with him. He wants you to obey him. He wants you to submit to him. He wants you to be with him. Our God loves you. Our God is with you. Our God is beside you. Our God has never left you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never leave you. And he will lead you to a good path. He will lead you to a good place. Just stick with him. Just stick with him. Just trust him. So God, I pray.